Hey, welcome to episode number 145 of this scripture deep dive into the Psalms. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find this back and forth conversation that results in first Moses and then Jesus uttering these words, people cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need more than bread. That's where the podcast title comes from. It's no wonder that Jesus, the word of God, that's what the apostle John called Jesus in his gospel the Word of God that was in the beginning with God and was God, and through Him everything was created, through this Word of God. But it's no wonder that Jesus, the very Word of God, was also called the bread of life. We need more than bread. We need the Word. We need more than the bread of wheat. We need Jesus, the bread of life. And and when the Spirit of God breathes life into the people of God through the Word of God, my goodness, a feast of thriving can take place. So I hope you're not only eating from the table of Scripture, I hope you are developing a hunger for His Word. In this chapter of More Than Bread, we've been going through the Psalms. Not all of them, there are 150 of them, but this time through, we've been looking at the top 40. Who's top 40? Mine. (laughs) My choice. Although a few of you have given me their top Psalms, and so far I've been able to work those in. So we'll we'll actually end up being more than top 40. But top 40 Psalms is is what we've been doing. And 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 I have already done probably around 30 or so of them. And and having done those, there are some themes that just repeat over and over and over again, like the presence of God and worship and and the hunger and thirst of our soul and joy and gladness and joy and thanksgiving and joy. I mean, and it's joy in the midst of hard times. I mean, the Psalms are nothing if they're not authentic, sometimes crying out for vengeance, sometimes crying out for mercy. And yet over and over again, there's these themes of gladness and joy and thanksgiving and joy and rejoicing and joy. And In fact, can I tell you, it's not just in the Psalms. This theme of joy is woven throughout the whole of Scripture from beginning to end. I have a list of over 100 verses on joy that I, on occasion, read through. Like 1 Chronicles 16.10, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. And later in the same chapter, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant, (laughs) everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing, for they will sing for joy before the Lord. I I love Nehemiah's insight and charge to the people when they are in deep sorrow for their rebellion, their sin, and their failure. They're looking at what's going on around them. They, They realize that they've done wrong. But Nehemiah encourages them with these words in Nehemiah 8.10. He says, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And joy, of course, is all over the place in the Psalms. Psalm 5.11, but let all who take refuge in you, God, be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Psalm 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Psalm 28 it is full of joy. We we paused on verse 7 near the beginning of the top 40 Psalms. The Lord is my strength, my shield, my heart trusts in him, and I'm helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I'll give thanks to him in song. Or how about David's cry even to God when he was caught in sin? Remember the adultery and killing the, the husband and, man, just massive sin back in Psalm 51. And what does he say? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I need the joy back. God. 
In Psalm 67, verse 4, it's the nations again. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Psalm 90, 14, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, O God, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Psalm 96 and and uh, and 97, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant and everything in them, in them. then all the forests, trees of the forest will sing for joy. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Psalm 98, shout for joy to the Lord. We got a song, shout, <laughs> shout to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. And it's not just the Psalms. Isaiah knew all about joy. In Isaiah 26, he wrote, But your dead will live, their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice in Isaiah 55, 12. Joy is all over the place. You'll go out in joy and be led forth in the peace, in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands, Isaiah said in, in chapter 55. And I love the picture that Zephaniah gives of, of joy. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will. God will. God will rejoice over you with singing. And, and joy was a significant theme of Jesus. In Matthew 13, he told a parable of joy when he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold everything that he had and bought the field. I mean, if you think about it, even Jesus' birth was all about joy. The prophecy in Luke 1.14 was, he will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. And of course, in Luke 2, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you great news of what? Good news of what? Great joy. What did Jesus tell his disciples before the cross? Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy will be complete, will overflow. And in John 17, he said, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. In fact, it was one of the characteristic qualities of the early church. In Acts 2.28, it says, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit in Acts 13. Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is joy. In Philippians 4, man, if there's any book in the New Testament that is filled with joy at every difficult turn of the page of Paul's life, Philippians 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And of course... <laughs> Our psalm for today is all about joy. So listen as I read Psalm 126 from the English Standard Version. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. <laughs> then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great thing things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves, bringing the harvest with him. 
Don't miss that refrain in verses 2, 5, and 6. Shouts of joy. The Hebrew word is barana. Literally, loud cries of joy. (laughs) Squeals of laughter, we might say. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with loud cries of joy. Those who plant tears will harvest with loud cries of joy. Go out weeping and come home crying for joy. Lewis Schmieds writes, To miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. C.S. Lewis said, Joy is a serious business of heaven. Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And and he, he puts that, the grammar of, of Paul's words in Philippians is, it's a command. The Bible puts joy in the non-optional category. Joy is a command. Joylessness then is a, is a sin. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's a sin that religious people are particularly prone to indulge in. Ellen Glasgow in her autobiography describes her father, a Presbyterian elder, As a man who was full of rectitude and rigid with duty, and in his life, he never committed a pleasure. (laughs) Man, I I love to laugh, and I love to laugh at church. Ask people to describe church, and often the words that come to mind are boring, irrelevant, and boring. (laughs) I mean, when's the last time you heard, hey, I'm going to have a great party at my house this weekend. Man, I'm inviting a group of pastors and their closest friends. (laughs) I know people say all the time, I don't want to go to church, it's boring. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, it's like a party, a celebration, a factory of joy. And and Christ calls us to live a life that invites people to the party. And, And really, sometimes I think we need to understand that our most urgent message is simply don't miss the party. One time Jesus was asked, what is the kingdom of God really like? And his answer was, the kingdom of God is like a a wedding reception, a party, right? In in Jesus' day, wedding receptions were not an obligation. They were a ridiculously lavish celebration that often involved the whole community and went on for days, not hours. The kingdom of heaven is like a festival, a party with really good food. We, We have a party God. Now, listen, I'm not saying... The Psalms aren't saying, I mean, if you've been with me through these Psalms, the Psalms go through tough times. I'm not saying we don't go through tough times. We we live in a fallen world, but a personal relationship with a good, happy creator, that should rub off. I love how the prophet Isaiah describes this happy God. He says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up of rules taught by men. Did you catch that? God is bummed because people's hearts are all bricked up and their worship is filled with dry rules. There's there's no joy. There's no fun. And so what does God decide to do? In verses 13 and 14 of Isaiah 29 says, Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. In other words, I'm going to blow their minds, knock their socks off. I'm going to bring a smile to their faces if it's the last thing I do. And, And man, I'll tell you, God will do that. He loves to do that. Some of you have heard the story. Years ago, my son Josh, he's probably about eight at the time, he's sitting in church listening to me preach, and he was asking Lynn all kinds of questions about what I was saying. I mean, he, he just had this way of asking questions, whether it was a movie or a sermon. Finally, she said, shh, Josh, I'm missing everything Daddy is saying. And, and so he was quiet for a while, and at some point, Lynn looked over him, over at him, and he had his head in his hands, and so she just reached over and scratched his back. He looked up, huge grin on his face, said, Mom, do you know what just happened? 
I prayed, God, if you really hear my prayers, would you make my mom reach over and scratch my back in two minutes and 10 seconds? And I counted, and right when I got to 130, you reached over and scratched my back. God astounded him with a wonder. I mean, can't you just hear the people singing that line in the psalm, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. When I look back over my life, there's there's one story after another of the times when God astounded me with a wonder, times when God made me glad. I could tell you about the time God gave my family an unexpected pot of dolphins as we snorkeled in a bay. I could tell you about emails received which share stories of life transformation and hope reborn, a marriage restored. I could tell you about the birth of each of my kids. I could tell you about walking through dark days with nothing but the joy of Jesus set before us as a motivation to keep going. In my life, he has astounded me with wonder upon wonder. He's done great things for me. And I think somehow, somewhere, we've gotten this odd notion that to be truly spiritual is to be terminally gloomy. We, we paint Christianity in, in black and white when our relationship with Jesus is meant to be shown in living color, right? The, 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 Bible, the, the Bible talks about uh, so much about joy. And in fact, it would be easy to argue that joy is at the heart of God's plan for humanity, in fact, Jesus said once that that's why he came, to give us an overflowing joy. I, I'm telling you, nobody does joy like God. John Orberg writes, God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrow, but the sorrow of God is a temporary response to a fallen world. The sorrow one day will be banished when the world is set right. But joy is God's basic character. Joy is God's eternal destiny. God, Orberg writes, is the happiest being in the universe. And I don't know, perhaps few things are more essential for the life we long to live than the essential of joy. Unexplainable, uncontainable, contagious, outrageous joy. And again, please hear me. I'm, I'm not talking about a pain-free existence. I'm, I'm not talking about getting everything I want when I want it. I'm not even talking about God changing my external circumstances. This is not circumstantial happiness. It's deeper more solid, more exhilarating. It, it can produce laughter, but you can't define it as a laugh. It doesn't require a closed-eye approach to reality, but it may require a new look at life. It requires an understanding that joy is a gift from God, and nobody does joy like God. I'm not sure the gospel can totally, I'm, I'm not sure that the gospel has totally touched your heart until we learn this kind of joy. You know, years ago, I officiated a wedding for some family friends, and Kelsey, the bride, when I gave my very first sermon at my very first church, she was about four years old. It was my very first sermon in that church, and when I was done preaching, I would I would always leave the front, walk down the aisle before everyone else so that I could greet people at the door. So very first sermon, young, insecure preacher, Kelsey and her parents are in the third row of this little church, and Kelsey's standing up on the pew right beside her dad, and just as I'm walking past, she went, wow, I'm glad that's finally over. (laughs) I stopped in my tracks, and everyone around was starting to laugh, and I looked at her. She had this big smile. I had a big smile on my face, and I said, me too, Kelsey, me too. And there was joy. And so I loved standing at the front of the aisle and watching this young man's face as he watched Kelsey come down the aisle at her wedding. The joy was just leaking out of his face. But can I find joy if my marriage is just ending rather than just starting? Can joy be a part of my life when it feels like I'm just marking time, waiting for something to be over? 
In John 15, 11, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And if you know the life circumstances of Jesus' followers at that time and, and later on, you know that Jesus' promise was, was not given during a pain-free season. So yes, it is possible. And Paul takes it even further in Philippians 4, 4, when he says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. See, if we value the Bible, then joy is a command. And that can feel like a hard word for those who have no joy right now. But here's the good news. If joy is a command, then it, then it must also mean that joy is a choice. And some of us are thinking, yeah, but he, he doesn't know how junked up my life is. And I don't. I don't. But even if I don't, I still think we should honestly wrestle with Scripture and ask ourselves the question, do I live like joy is optional? Do I live... Do I believe that joy is only possible for others? Listen again to the psalm, the New Living Translation this time. And as you listen, ask yourself, could this be me? When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing with joy as they return with the harvest. Let me pray for you. God, I, I just I pray right now for every person listening to the sound of my voice who feels like joy is not only optional, it's impossible. God, I pray for those who are going through rough times, who, whose, whose minds are filled with anxiety and whose hearts are filled with discouragement, maybe even depression or despair. God, I pray for the gift of joy, not something that they have to work up on their own, not a, an ignoring of reality, but a, a gift from your hand, the fruit of the Spirit that is joy. God, would you give them joy? Even just a small taste, even just a little bit, even something that just brings a smile. God, the joy that is not based on circumstances, but a joy that comes from the heart that is given by your hand. God, would you give them joy? Would you pour the joy of your spirit out upon them? God, I thank you for joy. I thank you that, that we can be full of joy. I thank you that Jesus came not, not just to give us a bunch of commandments and not to make our life hard, but to fill our lives with joy. And I pray, I pray, I pray, God that in the days to come, we would experience more and more of your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.